Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. God's Word this morning from Genesis chapter 15. Uh, I told the Sunday school class this morning that this is one of the more significant chapters in all the Bible. So I'm going to talk about it for a very long time. No, I'm really not. Um, I'm really not going to talk about it very long. Tr- truthfully, we cannot do it justice in, in, the, in the amount of time uh, we have to worship. This is a chapter that's worth going back to and reflecting on uh, its place in the biblical story and all that is here in it. Uh, but we're just going to see the highlights this morning of what God has for us. And to see that this morning, there's two things you need to realize before I read it. First is when this happens. This happens after Abram had been initially faithful to go to the land of Canaan following God's call, but then had been doubting and fearful and had gone to Egypt, running away from the land and lying about his wife, Sarah. And so that was, that was part of it. And then Abram had returned, blessed by God, by his grace, and done some good things. He had been kind and generous to Lot, and then he had gone and fought a great victory, chasing down Lot, rescuing him from captivity, and choosing not to take any of the plunder for himself. So when here, when, when God says to Abram at the beginning here, your reward shall be very great, that's specifically because he did not take any reward from the plunder. That's the, that's the connection. He would have had a reward from battle. He didn't have that. So that's where we're coming on. So Abram has been da- up, down, and up right before this. And that's when we get to this story of Genesis chapter 15. So that's the context. And the second one is, This is a very graphic description of a somewhat bizarre scene, but I want you to try to put yourself there and imagine the feelings of Abram as he's going through this experience with God. Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven, and number the stars if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he, Abram, believed the Lord, and he, the Lord, counted it to him, Abram, as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, 
you shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. We pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all your many blessings to us. We thank you that you did this for Abram so long ago and that you caused it to be written down and preserved for us that we might know what you had done, that we might know your promise to Abram, we might know your promise passed down to us. We pray now that as we reflect on this word together, that this would be your word for us today and that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would sink this word deep into us, that it would not merely be information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't have, I don't have my mystery bag with me today. I, don't have, I, I would say I don't have a prop, but I do. I just didn't put it in the bag because I carry it with me all the time. Because if I were to have something up here tangible for this story in Genesis chapter 15, it would be my wedding ring. It would be my wedding ring. Because what we have going on here in Genesis chapter 15 is called, it says, in that day God made a covenant with Abram. It was a covenant ceremony. And probably the closest thing that we have today to something like this covenant ceremony would be a wedding. Now the ring here is the symbol of my marriage that I carry with me all the time. But if you think about the wedding ceremony itself, you might be thinking a wedding is nothing like what's going on here. I mean, it would be a strange wedding if we started cutting animals in half and walking between them. But, but just go with me here, because truthfully, there's a number of things we do in a wedding that are traditions of our culture and the way that we do weddings and the way that we make commitments that are a little bit strange. You know, why, why do we need attendance, the bridesmaids and the groomsmen's? Why do we need, you know, the, all, whatever we do, the exchange of rings, the exchange of vows, the processing in and out, the, the unity candle or the sand or whatever may do in different, everybody's a little bit different. But when you think about a wedding and the ceremony of it, it, it means something. And you could say that, no, you know, that is not the thing. All that parts of it is not the thing that makes, that makes you married. It's certainly not the life together of marriage. The life of marriage is about far more than a wedding, but that's a whole other sermon series. Um, but, but those things matter. Our rituals and our ceremonies matter. That things happen in that. They mean something to us. They mean something deeply. My ring means something to me. There's a reason that I keep it on my finger all the time. And so what is happening here in Genesis chapter 15 is that God is committing himself to a people. So this is not the first thing that God has said of a word of blessing. This is not the first uh, command that God has given. You know, God has already made the earth. He's told people kind of in general, be fruitful and multiply. He promised after the flood with the rainbow, I'm never going to destroy the earth again. But all of that, while that is important, and we've talked about those things a lot in Genesis, can be a little bit distant. And right here in Genesis chapter 15, this is when God comes down and God becomes personal. And God says to Abraham, I have committed to Abram, they'll become Abraham later, 
uh, I have committed myself to you. I am guaranteeing my promise to you. What are we doing in a wedding ceremony? And with rings, we are making promises. We are guaranteeing them. We're saying we're not going to give up. And this is God's way of saying to Abram, I am not giving up on you. That God has guaranteed his promises. In all the strangeness of this, God has guaranteed his promises. So what do we do? What, do we, what is there for us in here? One of the things that many people point out about this chapter in Genesis 15 is that God does everything. God doesn't really ask Abram to do anything. He just says, hey, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you descendants. I'm making all the promises myself. And there's some specific ways that he does that. We'll get into more in a minute. But we do see one response of Abram, and it's the response for us as well. Abram says to him, all right, we're in verse 6, Abram doesn't say anything. Well, he says a couple things, but this is not, but in verse 6, it's a comment of the author, a comment of the narrator, which is actually, if you've been paying attention as we've gone through Genesis, it's kind of unusual. Most, most biblical narrative doesn't include a lot of commentary. It just kind of tells the story. You kind of figure out for yourself what's going on. But this is a comment, and so it's important. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Abram's response was to believe. And Abram's response, his model for us, is to believe. To believe God's promises. What does God want you to do this morning? He wants you to believe. What is, what is the first part of righteousness before the Lord? It is simply to believe. It is to believe and trust in him. And if you think that I'm making too much out of that verse, I'm not. The, uh, the Bible makes far more out of this verse. Uh, this verse is actually quoted four separate times in the New Testament to show the importance of belief, that the foundation of Christianity is our belief in God, our trust in his promises, through which he makes us righteous before him. That all of our actions, all of the work that we do, all of the good things of obedience follow from believing his promises and having God look at us as righteous. That's what God is seeking. So what's the big deal? The big deal here is that this was a scary time for Abram. I said to imagine what is, what is the situation here. Do you catch some of the details in this? First, Abram is not actually feeling good. He won this great victory, but if I said he was up and then down and then up, this is back down. Abram is down here. He's down because he did the right thing. He gave Lot the land. He didn't take the spoils of battle. And he's like, well, what, what do I have left? I have no child. I have wealth. I have some fame now. I have some, but, but I have nothing to pass on. And God, you had already promised him. God had already promised Abram back in chapter 12 that he would make him a great nation. And he's like, it's not going anywhere. So he's doubting. He is doubting God's promises. And then I love the line here. So he has this interaction with God. God's like, look, look at the stars. I'm promising you. And you're like, yeah, how do I know? How can I be sure, God? That's exactly what he said to him. Verse 8, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God says, all right, bring me these things. And I love verse 11. Abram gets everything ready. And when birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down. So you get the picture here that Abram has gone and gathered these animals. 
And the sun is going down and he is waiting for God. Saying, all right, what is going to happen? And all he can do is cling to this promise and hope. God, you said, bring these animals. And here come these birds to attack, like they're messing things up. And no, no, stay away. I am holding on, God. There's a sense here that despite all of his success, Abram feels like he's holding on for dear life, holding on to the promise of God. You do mean this, God, right? And so this morning, if you feel that, if you feel like you are just clinging, God, what can I cling to? Abram was right there with you. And God's covenant promises, God's commitment of himself, his guarantee, his saying, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to bless you, is not something that he does for those who have it all together. It's not something he does when we are riding high. It's something he does when we are doubting, when we are fearful, when the sun is going down and the birds of prey are coming at us and we're feeling attacked. We say, stay away. Just let me believe that you're going to hold me, God. That's where Abram was. So this morning, if you're there, we all end up there. We doubt God's promises. We doubt God's goodness. It's his word for you this morning. He guarantees his promise to us. You see, three quick things where he guarantees his promise to give us strength to believe. It's the only call this morning, believe. Believe his promises. Walk in that belief. He comes in our doubt. He comes through many challenges. And he comes by his own sacrifice. Because he's the one doing it. It's all the ways God guarantees our promises. In, his doubt, in our doubt, I just said this, Abram's doubting. He's uncertain. So if you feel that, if you feel the doubt, if you struggle to believe, what can you do at those times that you struggle to believe? All you can do is try to slap away the birds, slap away the lies of Satan that are coming. Jesus will pick up this picture of birds later on when he tells the, what's called the parable of the sower. He says, goes out to scatter seed, the word of God, and some fell along the path and birds came and snatched it. And Jesus specifically says that Satan trying to snatch the word away. And so these birds, Satan will come and try to snatch the promises from you. He will come and try to snatch the truth. And you bat him away, say, I believe. What do I believe? Sometimes I don't know what to believe. I don't know if I can believe much. But I believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. Because there's no other explanation for what happened on Easter. Then Jesus died and he rose again. And if Jesus died and he rose again, then everything else is true. And we can cling to that promise. Just like Abram's clinging to this promise here, we cling to the promise that Jesus rose again. And from there, everything else of God's love and care for us will follow. And so we cling to that. Comes in our doubt. God guarantees his promises through many challenges. It would be nice if Abram had this moment of doubt and then he has this vision, the sacrifice, this flaming torch coming through, and then everything is great. But if you pay attention to the promise, it's not, it may be not exactly what he had hoped for. Because he called, you know, I will be your shield, I will be your great reward, I will give the, your descendants this land to possess. And then in verse 13, know for certain that your offsprings will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. It's not always the promise that we're looking for. What's God's promise? That life will be easy? No. No, I don't think so. But his promise is that he will be faithful even through many challenges. 
that God did not give up on the descendants of Abram even when they disobeyed, even when they made mistakes, even when they were enslaved. But he kept his promise to them. And he keeps his promise to us. As the descendants many, many years later, the descendants of Abram through Jesus, he will keep his promises to us through many challenges. And so when we see challenges in our life, we don't have to doubt that God is good. We don't have to doubt that God is faithful. We just have to remember the nature of his promise, that the nature of his promise is to be our God and to be with us and to carry us through. So do not be surprised by the challenges of life. Finally, God guarantees his promises by his own sacrifice. The end here, the, the, the climax of the story, Abram's driven off these birds. He's held on in the darkness. He's held on to the promises of God. Verse 17, the sun had gone down and it was dark. Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Now, this is the part of the, the ceremony, the wedding ceremony, so to speak, that we don't really want to imitate today. But this is what apparently they did back then. If they were going to make a covenant, if people, and, and it's not just God who makes covenants, like people made covenants with each other, agreements, and they would walk together through the pieces. They cut an animal in half, walked together through the pieces. And as best we can tell, what that was saying is, if I don't live up to this covenant, may I be cut in half like these pieces. And what many note here is that Abram did not walk through the pieces. God walked through the pieces. God made the promise to Abram. He asked implicitly for Abram to believe him and trust in him. But he didn't put Abram through the pieces. Instead, he put himself through the pieces. And this is where God is saying, I'm taking this all myself. I am going to make this happen. And ultimately, we know that the only way that God could keep this covenant promise was by sacrifice, was by being cut. This is where we find the fulfillment of this when Jesus came to earth to take both sides of the covenant for himself. He took the side of God to declare God's covenant promises and he took the side of man to live up to the covenant that we could never hold on our own. And he went to the cross for the sacrifice. Say, I have taken this on myself. Because Abram could not live up to this covenant. He could not always believe in the way that he did at first. His descendants could not live up to it. And neither can we. We are not able to walk in true faith and belief, to walk in obedience as we are called to do. And yet we have God's promise that he has committed himself to us and he is so committed to this promise, he walked right through those pieces by himself. And then Jesus came down to go to the cross to take the curse on himself, to take the consequences of our disbelief and our disobedience, and to say all that remains is that kernel of belief. To believe, and then we see what it means. As Paul explains to us later on in the New Testament, he believed the Lord and he counted to him as righteousness. What it means to be counted righteous, to take the righteousness of Jesus for ourselves, if we believe in him. And so as we come each Sunday to worship, this is what we are doing. We are coming back to this covenant, coming back to the God that is promised to us. We are renewing our marriage, so to speak, our marriage as a people to Jesus, our covenant that he has made with us, and we are rejoicing in that, remembering what God has done for us, what Jesus did in his sacrifice, saying, yes, Lord, we believe. With whatever little bit of faith we have this morning, 
We are going to believe and trust, and we're going to walk in that obedience. So be encouraged this morning by the love of God for you. Be encouraged that he came to Abram in doubt. He comes to you in your doubt. That he came to Abram promising challenges. And you will face challenges too. And he will carry you through. And ultimately he came with his own sacrifice to make you perfect and holy in his sight. That he could count you righteous before him as you cling to his son Jesus in belief. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the promise that you made to Abram in this covenant. And we thank you that you made this more real and complete through Jesus, through his life, his death, and ultimately his resurrection on our behalf. Pray that you would teach us more and more what that means each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.